It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's possible and cried. Oh, mon cher, mon cher dick, mon dull, ich fights fool. Donner and Blitzen, Richard, exclaimed the veteran German, looking over the side of the sleigh with unusual emotion. Put you will speak der sleigh in Kurt der Hulses. Good Mr. Jones, said the clergyman. Be prudent, good sir. Be careful. Get up, obstinate devils, cried Richard catching a bird's-eye view of his situation, and in his eagerness to move forward, kicking the stool on which he sat. "'Get up, I say! Duke, I shall have to sell the greys, too! They are the worst broken horses! Mr. Lacoy!' Richard was too much agitated to regard his pronunciation, of which he had, was commonly a little vain. "'Answer, Lacoy, pray get off my leg! You hold my leg so tight that it's a, no wonder the horse is back!' "'Merciful providence!' exclaimed the judge. "'They will all be killed!' Elizabeth gave a piercing shriek, and the black of Agamemnon's face changed to a muddy white. At this critical moment, the young hunter, who during the salutations of the parties had sat in rather sullen silence, sprang from the sleigh of Marmaduke to the heads of the refractory leaders. The horses which were yet suffering under the injudicious and somewhat random blows of Richard were dancing up and down with that ominous movement that threatens a sudden and uncontrollable start, still pressing backward. The youth gave the leaders a powerful jerk, and they plunged aside, and re-entered the road in the position in which they were first halted. The sleigh was whirled from its dangerous position and upset with the runners outward. The German and the Divine were thrown, rather unceremoniously, into the highway, but without danger to their bones. Richard appeared in the air, describing the segment of a circle, of which the reins were the radii, and landed at the distance of some fifteen feet, in that snowbank which the horses had dreaded, right end uppermost. Here, as he instinctively grasped the reins as a drowning man, seize its straws. He admirably served the purpose of an anchor. The Frenchman, who was on his legs in the act of springing from the sleigh, took an aerial flight also, much in the attitude which boys assume when they play leapfrog, and lying off in a tangent to the curvature of his course, came into the snowbank head foremost, where he remained exhibiting two latchy legs on high like scarecrows waving in a cornfield. Major Hartman, whose self-possession had been admirably preserved during the whole evolution, was the first of the party that gained his feet and his voice. 
der devil, Richard, he exclaimed in a voice half serious, half comical. Put you unload your sleigh very hotly. It may be doubtful whether the attitude in which Mr. Grant continued for an instant after his overthrow was the one into which he had been thrown, or was assumed, in humbling himself before the power that he reverenced, in thanksgiving at his escape. When he rose from his knees, he began to gaze about him, with anxious looks, after the welfare of his companions, while every joint in his body trembled with nervous agitation. There was some confusion in the facilities of Mr. Jones also, but as the mist gradually cleared from before his eyes, he saw that all was safe, and with an air of great self-satisfaction, he cried, Well, that was neatly saved anyhow. It was a lucky thought in me to hold on to the reins, or the fiery devils would have been over the mountain by this time. How well I recovered myself! Duke, another moment would have been too late, but I knew just the spot where to touch the off-leader. That blow under his right flank, and the sudden jerk I gave the rein, brought them round quite in rule. I must own myself. Footnote. The spectators, from a memorial usage, have a right to laugh at the casualties of a sleigh ride, and the judge was no sooner certain that no one was done than he made full use of the privilege. End footnote. Thou jerk! Thou recover thyself, Dickon, he said, but for that brave lad yonder, thou and thy horses, or rather mine, would have been dashed to pieces. Where is Monsieur Le Quoy? Oh, mon cher judge, mon ami, cried the smothered voice. Praise be God, I live. Will you, Mr. Agamemnon, be pleased come down, I see, and help me on my leg? The divine and the negro seized the incarcerated Gaul by his legs, and extricated him from a snowbank of three feet in depth, whence his voice had summoned as from the tombs. The thoughts of Mr. Lecoy immediately on his liberation were not extremely collected, and when he reached the light he threw his eyes upward in order to examine the distance he had fallen. His good humor returned, however, with a knowledge of his safety, though it was some little time before he clearly comprehended the case. "'What, monsieur?' said Richard, who was busily assisting the black in taking off the leaders. "'Are you there?' I thought I saw you flying toward the top of the mountain just now. Praise be God, I no fly down into the lake, returned the Frenchman, with a visage that was divided between pain, occasioned by a few large scratches that he had received in forcing his head through the crust, and the look of compliance that seemed natural to his pliable features. Ah, oh, mon cher, Mr. Dick, what you do next? There be nothing you no try. The next thing, I trust, will be to learn to drive, said the judge, who had busied himself in throwing the buck, together with several other articles of baggage, from his own sleigh into the snow. Here are seats for you all, gentlemen. The evening grows piercingly cold, and the hour approaches for the service of Mr. Grunt. We will leave friend Jones to repair the damages with the assistance of Agamemnon, and hasten to a warm fire. Here, Dickon, are a few articles of best trumpery that you can throw into your sleigh when ready. And there is also a deer of my taking that I will thank you to bring. Aggie, 
Remember that there will be a visit from Santa Claus tonight. Footnote. The periodic visits of St. Nicholas, or Santa Claus, as he is termed, were never forgotten among the inhabitants of New York, until the immigration from New England brought in the opinions and usages of the Puritans. Like the bon homme de Noël, he arrives at each Christmas. End footnote. The black grinned, conscious of the bribe that was offered him for silence on the subject of the deer, while Richard, without in the least waiting for the termination of his cousin's speak, began his reply. Learn to dry, sayest thou, cousin Duke. Is there a man in the country who knows more of horse flesh than myself? Who broke in the filly that no one else dare mount? though your coachman did pretend that he had tamed her before I took her in hand. But anybody could see that he lied. He he was a great liar. That, John, what's, what's that, a buck? Richard abandoned the horses and ran to the spot where Marmaduke had thrown the deer. It's a buck. I am amazed. Yes, there are two holes in him. He has fired both barrels and hit him each time. E God! How Marmaduke will brag! He is a prodigious bragger about any small matter like this. Now, well, to think that Duke has killed a buck before Christmas. There will be no such thing as living with him. They are both bad shots, though. Mere chance, mere chance now. I never fired twice at a cloven foot in my life. It is hit or miss with me. Dead or run away. Had it been a bear or a wildcat, a man might have wanted both barrels. Here, you Aggie, how far off was the judge when this buck was shot? Oh, Massa, Richard, maybe a ten-rod, cried the black, bending under one of the horses with the pretense of fastening a buckle, but in reality to conceal the grin that had opened a mouth from ear to ear. Ten-rod? echoed the other. Why, Aggie, the deer I killed last winter was at twenty, yes. Anything, it was nearer thirty than twenty. I wouldn't shoot a deer at ten rod. Besides, you may remember, Aggie, I only fired once. Yes, Massa Richard, I remember him. Natty Bumpo fire the other gun. You know, sir, all the folks say Natty kill him. The folks lie, you black devil, exclaimed Richard, in great heat. I have not shot a gray squirrel for these four years to which that old rascal has not laid claim, or someone else or him. This is a damned envious world that we live in. People are always for dividing the credit of a thing in order to bring down merit to their own level. Now they have a story about the patent that's 